Well, welcome to The Jig Is Up. I am Darcy, and we are sitting on the deck outside at Jason's place. Hey, Jason. It's awesome. There's nothing like the fresh air, which is largely smoke today. Absolutely. But, hey, beats inside at the office. Yes, it definitely does. And it's very nice to be podcasting outside. Definitely. Can't beat the outdoors. And it's very odd that we're actually sitting together. Yeah. <laughs> Not over the phone. The you know, opposite ends of the province. Glad one of us is a traveling man. <laughs> That'd be you. Yeah. Yeah, definitely is, unfortunately. So I wanted to talk about uh, a whole bunch of stuff in this episode. And I have seen nothing but endless streams of comments and uh, questions and things about nationhood and constitutions and, you know, senates and citizenships and rights. And so I thought we probably should tackle some of these things because... I think a lot of people have maybe a misunderstanding, in my opinion, or my view of what all of that means for a nonprofit corporation to turn into a sovereign nation. So you're saying you went to the AGM and got all fired up? <laughs> well, sort of, yeah. Um, but I mean, there was a lot of things said there. I mean, I only stayed for the one morning, but just seeing some of the live feeds and stuff, I mean, there was a lot of talk there about constitutions and... Once we have a constitution, then everything will be glorious. And I think the current Madam President Audrey is kind of using that as a tool to entice people like, oh, if you vote for me, we'll bring in this constitution and we will be a sovereign nation in it. I, I, don't, I think people are buying into it, but I don't think they really understand what that means when you say constitution. And so I thought, well, let's look at what that actually means here in Canada. No, I mean, that's an interesting idea. <laughs> I mean, but we've, we've talked about that a lot, and I think to delve into it in, in a little bit of depth is a good idea. And if we use the comparative model, uh, when we use the word constitution, the, the best and easiest place to look to is, is the Canadian government. Yes. Because it has a constitution. The yep. American government has a constitution. Yep. The British government and the French government all have constitutions. Yes. So to say that a, gov- that a sovereign people should have a constitution is true. Yes, They absolutely. should. Yep. But I've never seen two people coexisting in the same landmass have opposing constitutions. Well, that's, you know, that's where, um, like, I, I think a lot of this language is, is confusing for people because if you, if you start even from the concept of citizenship into a, a sovereign nation, so when we look at citizenship, um, you know, like you're probably more of an expert on this than I am as of late, but... When we look at how the UK or Canada or the United States do deal with citizenship, um, there's many ways to, that they do that. But one of them is, is you can also become a citizen. So somebody from somewhere else can come in and eventually work towards being a citizen. And so is, that, is the Métis Nation then going to have a process for that? Is there going to be a mechanism for that? Um, and that's one of, for me, that's one of the biggest questions about calling things citizenship. Well, I think first and foremost, uh, I've never seen citizenship and that term applied to anybody with any validity that didn't and wasn't attached to a sovereign landmass. Yes. You can't be a British citizen if you're not living in the sovereign nation of Great Britain. Yeah. You can't be a Canadian citizen if you don't live within the boundaries of Canada and go through either being born here or naturalizing through the, the process. Mm-hmm. You know, same as America. I can You can list every country. Yeah. Every country has a restriction to the land that they have. Yeah. And so how does a basically a largely landless people, and especially within the context of the cartel, 
and M&A here specifically in Alberta, mm-hmm. how do they then put that into that, that verbiage to say citizenship? Yeah. And I think that's a, a very misleading term. Mm-hmm. And in that context, because truly the only Métis organization that has any legitimacy to use that word would be the settlements. Yes. Because they're in control of land. Yeah. And so if they wanted to call their membership list a citizenship list, well, that could be much closer to the truth because they have actual land that they're in charge of. Yes. And that they have jurisdictional control under the act to do so. Well, and and they do have a mechanism in place where somebody from the outside can come in Mm -hmm. and become part of the settlement. Whether you like it or not, there is that mechanism already in place. Right. And if you marry in and your spouse, you know, you get divorced, there's mechanisms for... For, you know, people who weren't born Métis but married in to stay within the territorial boundaries of their jurisdiction. Yes. So to apply the term citizen then, to say I'm a citizen of the settlement, uh, if they choose to do that, would be much more valid than to say I'm a dual citizen of Alberta and Canada and the Métis Nation, which doesn't, I'm, I'm, what is that? I'm stateless. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's the first acknowledgement that Métis people have to acknowledge. That Métis people are, by and large, a stateless population within Absolutely. Canada. And so how do we properly define the term citizen? Yes. In, a, in a, even a legal context. If we're going to legally use it in these organizations and yep. try to create a membership role for saying that and, and saying this card is my citizenship card, you know, like the MNO is trying to, you know, they put out that yeah. M, you know, they're going to de-enroll. Yeah. Like what, they, what they call citizens. Yeah. Well... Any country could never do that. No. Canada could not just say, we're going to revisit our citizenship role. Yep. And we're going to, you know, if you were a citizen, uh, we might not like the way you became one. So we might just like send, yeah. you, send you packing. You, you became a citizen in 1970. The rules are different, but, and we're going to apply today's rules. So you're no longer a citizen. You instantly lose your citizenship. They, they would never do that. There's no way you could do that. Yeah, there's no way you could do that. And yet we see uh, the organizations, Métis organizations, continually reviewing their membership processes and eliminating membership or yeah. changing up the criteria and asking people to requalify for that. Yeah. And I don't have a problem. Any organization is totally legally free to do so. Yes. What I have a problem is, is again, when we use the word citizenship. Yes. Because it carries a different feel to it. Yes. And implies... A different level. Yeah, exactly. That you are, in fact, a citizen. Like, my wife's a dual citizen. She's a Canadian citizen and a citizen of of the UK. Yep. Well, that's the feeling that you get from the M&A and the cartel when they use that word citizen, that you're a dual citizen. Yes. But a dual citizen of where? Exactly. Where? And And then if you look at the larger context, they have this homeland that they created. So is it is there going to be a land base picked somewhere on that homeland? So how does that if it's picked in Manitoba, how does that apply to Alberta or BC or Saskatchewan? Like, and, and so there's like this the the big thing here is there's no land, so you you can't really become a nation of nothing. Um, well, there's no there's no such place on the earth that I've seen where they have a citizenship for a people who are stateless. Yeah. Meaning landless. Yes. So how can you be a citizen of a landless people? Yes. And I think, I and think I, so. It's really saying that we're an eth- we're we're ethnicity, you know, ethnically Métis, mm-hmm. and so that might be true, and you might have membership into that that conclave yeah. of identity. 
But again, you can't, and it's very, I think for me personally, it's very misleading it is. when I use the word citizen because it implies a whole bunch of things Absolutely. that aren't true yeah. and aren't, aren't even really achievable. No. Well, and, and that's just it. I mean, you look again at every citizenship everywhere in the world and there's a lot of responsibilities that come with for a nation to offer citizenship. And, you know, that you can't just arbitrarily kick people out. You can't, if somebody's been there for 40 years, you can't just pull up their records and toss them out. Like, mm-hmm. um, yeah. you know, what the what these organizations are doing, and, and really this applies to all these organizations that want to use these terms like nation and citizenship right across the country. Um, you can't just then arbitrarily pick people to kick them out because their paperwork wasn't right. Well, if, if they had your card they should be citizens, you know and I mean? Well, that's the whole point is, and I think this is some of the part that's misleading is, as a citizen, if I'm a Canadian citizen, and Canada has in the past and will continue to change its requirements for citizenship. Yes. That doesn't mean mine will ever come up from review. Exactly. Because I'm grandfathered in. Yes. Because I've been living here. So yeah. I met the criteria in 1973 when I was born. <laughs> And it doesn't matter how many times the laws have changed since then for people yes. to be citizens or become citizens, I still get bumped through yep. because I met the requirements then. Yes. And I think the problem with citizenship too, and I think you you led into this, is what falls hard on the heels of this is the conversation of nationhood and the responsibility of nationhood to citizenshiphood. Yes. And I think that's the this is where this whole conversation is really, you know, a good Dr. Seuss rhyme. <laughs> that that they they try to say real fast, yes, to make you wave that Métis flag with that that pride, to to foster that that bit of you know Louis Riel fire rebellion, to want to be sovereign, to want to have our own yep. constitution, to want our own nationhood, but the truth is the context with which they're applying these terms are are I think grossly out of context. Well, and I think they're they're not and to me these organizations don't seem to be taking it seriously. I mean, when you start using terms like nation and citizenship, well, then you have it's it, you have a greater responsibility to those people now, mm, or you should more beyond. Well, we're a nonprofit society. Mm. Okay, well, if you're a sovereign nation in your mind, then you should be treating your people like you are all part of a sovereign nation, mm. even if you're landless. And I think that's the thing that's missing that I see a lot of is is the responsibility of this so-called government to its people. And it's it's still run like, you know, a lot of people call it an oligarchy, and it, it's still run as that supreme chancellor, I have all the power, you do what I want mentality. And so then to call that a nation, well, then it, it's a like it'd be a dictatorship. And there's well, lots I, of dictatorships I, 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 that have constitutions and citizens and all this stuff. That's right. So I think, I think we can agree that there's no, there's no way this can be a citizenship. Yeah. The, the cards issued from these organizations flatly cannot be a citizenship. No. Because not only do the, the cards not meet the requirements of what it would mean to be a citizen, if we move to what does it mean to be a nation? Yes. So if I'm a citizen, what would I be a citizen of? I'd have to be the citizen of a nation. Yes. Okay. So even if I say that, let's say we've been dispossessed of our lands, which has happened to different peoples in the past, and we still want to maintain some kind of nationhood status. But yep. we know that we've been deprived of our land. Yeah. It can be done. Yep. But is what is going on right now reflective of what we call a nation? What makes 
a, a nation. Yeah. And we have to look at that seriously. Because what makes a nation if you take away the land? Yeah. Well, then it's the people. The people yeah. make the nation. But then a nation has to have certain things, like a government. Mm-hmm. Now, if we look at all the forms of government in the world, which one is the, the M&A? Well, you yeah. can say it's an oligarchy, but is it really? Yeah. Because legally it's not. Legally it's a nonprofit organization as yeah. either the Alberta government just recognized. Yeah. Yeah. So, and is a oligarchy, is that the the, the definition? Of that? Was that Louis Riel's vision for the Métis people? Was that his pinnacle achievement was to set up an oligarchy as, yeah. as a, you know, Métis indigenous governance? Because last time I checked, if we're going to base all forms of uh, Métis government off colonial structures, well, it doesn't meet any one of them. No. We don't have a party system. We don't have a house. We don't have a sitting. We don't have, you know, we don't have anything that would indicate government right from the way candidates are voted and elected by party or by platform or by agenda. We don't have, even as independents, we don't have a sitting house. Yeah. We don't have uh, a Congress or a Parliament. We don't have a Senate. Yeah. We don't have uh, bylaws are not passed through a two-house system or even a republic system. No. So what do? how could you call this government? Yeah. So you can't call it a government because it's not. Yeah. Um, you can't. So what if we don't have a government and we don't have land? How? In what ways are we meeting the criteria to be a nation? Absolutely. Absolutely. So we can be an ethnic group. Yes. We can, you know. We, we have that going for us but uh, as Métis people, but what is it that we can apply this term nation to? Absolutely. Well, and I, like I actually looked up in the Oxford Dictionary what they define a nation as, and in there it says it's a large body of people united by common descent, history, culture, or language inhabiting a par- particular state or territory. So by, that own, by the definition of the Oxford Dictionary, you can't be a nation without inhabiting a particular state or territory. They have no territory. I mean, yes, they're inhabiting Canada, as it is now. Whether you agree with that or not, I mean, yes, it was taken, land was taken, and, you know, script was stolen and all this stuff. That's not erasing that history. But right now, as it stands, there is no land. The, The crown has it all. And so, by that own definition, you can't be a nation. Um. And then the the whole notion with their... Again, going back to their citizenship and the nationhood of you have to be have a genealogical connection to that. So even if you're born on the homeland, but you don't have a genealogical connection, you can't be Métis. And, and this goes back to, you know, this whole mechanism thing. Well, let's pretend for a minute that uh, all levels of government got together for the M&A and said, okay, great, you can have this 100,000 acres of Alberta right here. Boom, done. That's your land. So now you have the land, you can be a nation. Okay, but if a person's born on that land as it sits now, they can't be Métis. But yet, in other countries, if you're born there, like in Canada, you're a citizen of Canada. So then what does citizenship mean? So it kind of is like this big loop circle all the time because you're like, okay, well, but if we meet that criteria, we fall down on these five. So if you meet one or more, two of those, then we fall down on that one again. And you just keep looping back around on all this stuff where... And and it, I think they're using all these terms to really confuse people or make people feel like they're really getting somewhere with the federal government or the Alberta government, but they're not. There is no 
chance that the Canadian government's just going to go, you know what, you're right, let's bust up Canada. We're going to give you guys, uh, you know, 250,000 acres of land in oil-rich Alberta. And there, you guys have it now. And you guys can all move there. We'll give up all the taxes. We'll give up all the resource revenue. It's, just, it's not going to happen. But even if you go back to what you're saying for citizenship, I think it's very important to, to, to really emphasize that, is to be a citizen of any jurisdiction on this planet. Either you had to have been born as part of the collective group as your heritage, yeah. of your ethnicity, or every state allows you to naturalize within the process. Yes. And I think that's largely what is missing in that conversation is yeah. if the Métis people were in fact if Luriel's vision had come true and the Métis people had become its own province in the Manitoba Act, people still would have moved there who were not Métis. Yes. People still would have fit into that mosaic who were not Métis. Yep. And so if the Métis people had their own land, would it become this walled-off state that if you weren't yep. born in within the boundaries of that people that you would be walled off? There'd be zero immigration, zero mobility, Yep. Zero ability for you to move out of there to enter another jurisdiction without losing your citizenship. Yeah. Like these are the conversations, the reverse part of saying that is if you were a citizen, what would be the implications if you left? Exactly. So we're talking about a, I know if we applied those kinds of terms to yeah. any other jurisdiction, well, we would say they were, you know, pretty phobic. Yes. You know, uh, we, you know, we look at those kinds of jurisdictions right now with disdain when we talk about their ethnicity, where they have no mobility for their citizens, mm -hmm. where they're not, they have zero immigration policies to, to process outside individuals yep. into their collective society. How many times does, do indigenous people give Canadians flack? Yes. You know, for a bunch of immigrants, they sure seem pretty restrictive yeah. about who immigrates here. <laughs> yeah, but exactly. yet when Métis people are talking about our own organizations and we're talking about our own citizenship process, we adopt a much stricter, much harder, much walled, more walled-in society Absolutely. than the Canadian settlers do. And yeah. I think we need to be very careful when we're applying that term citizenship in that kind of a context. Absolutely. Um, it's... And, and, you know, that's, you know, leads into a lot of, it, I mean, that raises another 20 questions about mobility. So let's pretend again that you got some land from the government and you set up shop there and a bunch of Métis people move there and that's your Métis land now. So now you're a nation. Well, how do you move around? And is, what about people that are living in Calgary? If the land is up north here by your place, are people from Calgary just going to drop everything and move here? Do they lose their citizenship now because they're not living on the Métis land? How does that all work? And so then, but even then, so then, okay, well, you say, okay, well, let's make little land deposits around all these communities so that we can have our Métis nation everywhere so people don't have to move. You know, if you're in Calgary, you can just move outside of Calgary and you're still on Métis land. Well, then how do you get around? Are you going to go through border checks every time you want to go from home to Calgary? Because you're entering another country. Well, that, that's the whole other, the whole brings another question, though, of sovereignty. Is yeah. we even look at this on the settlements, which are the great example, they, with their Metis people with land. But are they truly sovereign? No. Because even if the Metis settlements adopted their own constitution and mm -hmm. it was a separate legal framework of, of taxation, of immigration, of income, yeah. of mobility, there's certain issues that really come into play. And yeah. that is, I mean, you, you hit on one of it. Would you need another passport? Exactly. When I, when, if I left 
the settlement, when I have to show my passport to a border control officer before yeah. I entered Canada, yeah. would I then have to show my passport when I entered back into the settlement? Exactly. If I'm on the settlement, do I use a different currency? Yeah. Do I have a, a different banking system? Do I have a different military? You know, military? What kind of international trade do the settlements have Absolutely. with other jurisdictions besides Canada? Yeah. You know, these are what nations have. These are the, what, yes. you know. Even if we go back to indigenous nations, you want to talk about the Anishinaabe or the Cree, even yeah. back pre-contact, they had all that. They did. They had their own border control. Yes. They had their own internal currencies. They had their own internal immigration policies. They had trade settlements. They had their yeah. own trade networks. Yeah. They had trade partners. Yes. These are all the things that sovereign nations have. And I think if Métis people want to talk about nationhood, then we need yeah. to seriously say what does that really mean, both on the indigenous side and on the colonial side, yes. because the the organizations we have meet neither. Absolutely. And I think these are the things that you, you got to look at, okay, well, okay, we can take our bylaws and, you know, put a motion forward to call those a constitution um, for now. But that's great. But what does that do? We can call ourselves citizens, but that isn't a step to nationhood. And all of these things, you, you know, you were just talking about, those are things that you got to come up with those answers. You've got to have a plan if you want to be a nation, which I don't begrudge anybody that aspiration. But you can't just walk to the table, call yourself a citizen, walk away with a bunch of land and call yourself a nation. Because you have to answer all these questions. Are we going to phase out of Canada? Are we going to be trade partners? How do you do that? All of those things you just said, you have to answer those first. And then you can start using terms like citizenship and nation. Because you're going to have to go back to your people and say, we have a plan. And right now, I don't see a plan. The plan is, oh, we'll make a constitution. Well, we'll call ourselves citizens. And literally right now in the MNO, um, there's a resolution put forward to uh, change some, like the name they're using on something. And I, I think it might be their bylaws or something. But Oh, no, they're changing the name from uh, treasurers to ministers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Or secretaries, secretaries to ministers. So it sounds less non-profit society type. But that literally for them is put a motion forward, change the name, done. It's a name change. Mm -hmm. Now we have, uh, you know, elected representatives and they're all, uh, you know, and it's like, well, yeah, but just because you called it that, what does that mean? They're doing the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. There's no plan to take those ministers now. And actually turn them into anything. Are those ministers elected? Are they, how are they elected? Like you going back to that whole two-party thing and a house and all this kind of stuff. Like the way laws are passed even, that's not how any government passes laws. To have an annual meeting where you can pass a law. That, no. You need to be actively passing laws throughout. Mm-hmm. You know, so even, even calling yourself a government and everything. And I, I've heard some people start talking about a senate. Oh, we need to have a Senate. Once we get a Constitution, we need a Senate. But what is the Senate going to do? Because you had the Métis Judiciary Council, which was supposed to be a check and balance on the, whatever that is, the the executives. Yeah, the executive board. And their power. But the truth is, is they just wiped them out and never replaced them. So, okay, you have a Senate now. Let's call the Métis Judiciary a Senate. That's the Senate now. But if if Audrey can walk in and just go, nope, they're all gone, just wipe it off the board, then you don't have a government. And I like, think, but but I think that's what the Alberta court ruling 
in the case we talked about really came forward and addresses is that the fact that the MNA seems and the MNO seem very eager to use the verbiage. Yes. They want to use the verbiage yeah. of a sovereign, independent nation. Yes. When none of it's a reality. Absolutely. And I think that's the real misnomer. And I think that's the real thing we're trying to address tonight is that there we can use any verbiage you want. You and I can start a society and we can call it the sovereign nation of whatever we want. Absolutely. That can be the registered name. We can call ourselves ministers. We yep. can have portfolios. Absolutely. I can have a paycheck. I can drive in a car. I can sit in an office. I can submit my reports mm-hmm. and I can do all of those things and we can pass bylaws and we can call them our, our governing bylaws, a constitution. Yep. Um, but the reality is none of those words actually make us a nation of Absolutely. sovereign Métis people. Yep. And I think that is a snow job that's going yes. on. And it, and that's what's happening. This is a you know a whitewash snow job to snowball everybody around into yep. thinking that these multi-billion-dollar organizations are somehow moving Métis people and Métis interests to self-governance, and yes. it's not true. It isn't, and I mean, if creating a constitution was what you needed to be a nation, then I would I would have to ask, why over the last ninety years has that never happened? Mm-hmm. Um, if it's so vitally important, why is it only vitally important in halfway through 2018? Well, and okay, but let's let's say this. I haven't seen any of the memorandums of understanding. Yes, that they've been signing all this paperwork that they the government's been signing. Yep. With with all the Métis organizations, I haven't seen any of it posted anywhere. Mm-hmm. So let's pretend for a moment that it's true that the government of Canada wants the Métis people to get a constitution. Yeah. What I haven't heard because of this big push is the government of Canada willing to recognize a Métis constitution as a sovereign governing legislation yes. for distinct people within the framework of Canada. Yep. Will we then be able to be governed by our own constitutions? That means my taxes will be regulated by my Métis constitution. Yes. The way I do all of my day-to-day life, the way I pay mm-hmm. my taxes, I get my gas. Absolutely. Do my passport my driver's license, well, all of these things that are intrinsically designed, you know, entrenched in citizenship, yeah. now be controlled yeah. by my Métis constitution. Yes. Because if it's not, then it is called a corporate mandate yes. and not a constitution. Exactly. So again, we're, we can, I can use all the fancy words I want for you yep. if it makes you feel good. If that's what's really going to make you sleep at night as yes. a M&A member... And you're going to continue to vote, and you're going to continue to fill out that membership form and support me. Yep. I'm willing to use whatever terms make you sleep better at night when none of it is true. Well, absolutely, and I think that's the misleading part, is I think a lot of people have bought into this idea that as long as we call ourselves citizens, as long as we we come up with a constitution, well, then we will. Then the government's going to look at us very seriously. That, and I think the reality is, is I think. If, if you want to take that train of thought or that logic path, you will not be taken seriously unless you answer the thousand other questions that we've brought up mm-hmm. here where, okay, you have a constitution, but like all those things you just brought up, you know, who's going to manage the tax system then? Is that in place? Oh, well, then how can you separate and be your own country? Is your healthcare system in place? Is your citizenship in place? Are, are all these rules in place? before 
you switch over and leave Canadian Constitution and go to your own. And the truth is, is no, none of that's in place. I mean, if you want to look at a government, there's more to a government than just uh, having a you know a head office in Edmonton and having some quote unquote ministers. There's departments. There's people that need to do the work, and you don't have any of that in place. Um, they can't even manage their own Métis judiciary, which is supposed to be their court system within that organization. They can't even manage that. So what what confidence do we have that bringing in a constitution and calling us whatever we want is really going to have any bigger effect than having the Métis Judiciary Council? You know, And I, th- I think that's where if you want to be taken seriously, you need to answer a lot of those underlying questions long before you just start waving a piece of paper that says constitution on it. But I think that's what this really boils down to as we're talking about though, is that there is no constitution. Mm. We can call it whatever we want, but a constitution has to be passed by a government. And a government is not an oligarchy. It is not a Robert's rules where you raise your hands unless we're going to then start talking about how every member who showed up to vote is in an actual, a minister. Yes. Able to vote on laws and pass laws. Yeah, absolutely. And therefore, it's not an AGM. What you're having there is a once annual House of Commons sitting <laughs> exactly, of yes. the Métis people. Yeah. And so this whole thing is is such a, a misguided, misleading thing that I, I think Métis people really need to wake up and take stock of what we're talking about because you're either going to fall into one of two categories is you're quite happy to be lied to. You're yep. quite happy to tell yourself lies that, hey, I am a citizen of a sovereign Métis nation with, you know, working for our own constitution. Yeah. If you believe those things, well, you and Walt Disney must get along real well (laughs) because that's a fairy tale. It is. And, I mean, even if you want to believe those things, I mean, you know, and, and, and I'm not, like, the misleading aspect of all of this isn't even just the Métis nations that are doing this. Canadian government does it all the time. The Alberta government. Every every government is misleading like that. Um, the Canadian government and probably the Alberta government are very are probably very supportive of them creating a constitution, knowing full well that means nothing in the Alberta legal system. It's going to mean nothing in the Canadian legal system. It's going to mean nothing to anybody except your members. Oh, sorry, citizens, and that's it because. And the courts were very clear in that decision that they only represent their members. They're not a government. They're not this. They're not that. Well, what is a constitution going to change? Is the judge suddenly going to go, oh, you have a constitution. Oh, okay. Well, I can't rule in your case now because you're yeah. not ruled by Canadian legal the, system. The laws of Alberta no longer apply yeah. to you because you're Métis and you have your own constitution, your own judiciary system. So you're like the army now. you got to yeah. go to the your military Métis court. Exactly. And I, I wanted to go back to the Oxford Dictionary. And, um, I looked up the definition of constitution, and they said, a body of fundamental principles or established precedents according to which a state or other organizations is acknowledged to be governed. You already have that with the Métis Nation. Mm-hmm. of any province it's called their bylaws and I'm, I'm curious what would change from the bylaws to a constitution as far as how they govern and if if they're going to govern so drastically different with a constitution then like what have they been dragging their feet for for the last 22 years at least mm-hmm. 
And so the, the, this is what raises my, I mean, I'm not, I, I really am not trying to knock the nation on their ideals of becoming a sovereign nation one day. But what I'm trying to do is point out the fact, the reality of it, that they use these terms and they get people worked up, but the, there's nothing behind the terms right now. I mean, even if they brought in a constitution, there's nothing else that's changed. And so who's holding Audrey to to account right now for anything she does? Uh, the court said that they can violate their own bylaws. It's not a legal matter for the Alberta court system. Mm-hmm. So bringing a constitution, if they violate that, it's not a legal matter for the Alberta government. It's you violated your own rules of your private club. So what 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 has changed? What is the back of it? And I think that's the real problem. And I think that's the heart of what we're truly trying to address is if we wanted to talk about nationhood, if we wanted to talk about true self-governance, if we wanted to talk about what does it mean to have Métis identity and Métis citizenship, then we would talk about how we should be moving as Métis people to emulate those things. Absolutely. Land or no land, yep. why can we not have a governmental system yes. that is representative? I don't pick one. I don't care whose model you use. You want to use a republic system, do it. You want to use the Westminster system, do it. Yeah. You want to go back to an Anishinaabe system, do it. Yeah. But at least we would have a, a real form of government that would be representative of a people who are self-governing. Absolutely. You know, you look at other jurisdictions that are trying to work towards independence, like you look at Scotland inside of the United Kingdom, they first got their own parliament. Yes. But their parliament is its own government. Absolutely. It has different parties. Yes. That represent different interests, that pass different laws for the people of Scotland. Yes. So as they're trying to move towards independence through a nonviolent means, that's what they did first off the hop. Yep. Why can we not as Métis people realize that if we truly want to move towards self-governance, we form a real government? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I think, and that's where you need to start with those answering those questions and you need to start you know, you have to ha- start having a real election with real governance representation, with a real governance structure, because um, a constitution does nothing with the current way it's governed. It's governed like a nonprofit society. Mm-hmm. Calling it a constitution doesn't somehow make that nonprofit society corporate structure any better. You know, like, so before you bring in a constitution, put things in place that that make it a solid governance. And then I think you could work on a constitution to see, well, what do we need in a constitution? Now that we have a good, good governance system, well, then now we can move to a constitution and see what we need to do there. Um, because that's what Canada did. Before Canada got its own separate constitution from Great Britain, yeah. it created its own house. Yes. It had its own party, Yep, different parties. It represented different interests. And they sat down and they drafted a constitution. Yes. It had to get then voted on by the people of Canada. Yep. Who it represented. Then it got passed and signed off on by the Queen. Yes. But it was Canadians in our own parliamentary system first that drafted that constitution. Yeah. Why can't Métis people first and foremost create real government? Absolutely. Then we can talk about what a real constitution would look like that should govern us. Absolutely. And that's the thing. I mean, you can go on these roadshows that they're doing right now and we're, and call them constitutional talks. But really, they're just town hall meetings on, on you know, talking about possible governance ideas. But there's that, that, that does not make it a constitutional negotiation. 
Um, you know, you have, what are the Métis in, in this province going to do? I mean, we have divisions with Métis harvesting rights right now. So are you just going to make a constitution for that applies only to the north? As far as harvesting rights, are you going to, how, so who's going to negotiate on the sub for the southern Alberta people for harvesting rights within this new constitutional framework, within this new governance system? And none of that is in place, mm-hmm. you know. And so they're they're going to people and they're talking about constitutions, but the truth is that they don't have anything in place to make that an effective constitution. And you know, yeah, it's just it goes back, and, and then you circle back to this. Well, how are you going to then enforce this constitution? Like, what mechanisms are going to be in place? Because the Canadian government is not going to enforce a constitution that it doesn't recognize. Or, if you're a sovereign nation, that's not their job. That We don't enforce the the American constitution. It's not our job. That's right. And a a good example of that is if you look at Gandhi's movement in India, when they were trying to gain independence from Great Britain. Mm -hmm. So, when their government had been overthrown, their lands were under foreign, foreign rule, how did they go about asserting themselves in their own lands, to gain that independence. They first and foremost acted like they were. And I think Métis people need to get that, and they need to run with it, and they need to fire up some passion behind that concept, is as long as you are running in a region to get elected, and that election is going to get you appointed to a five-person board, you don't have a government, you have a society. Yes. And as long as you are content with that, you will never be free. As long as you are content to operate within the Roberts rules, Métis people will never be independent or sovereign. No. It's impossible. Yeah. And there's no government in the world that uses Roberts rules. But it's not a movement. It's not a mechanism for freedom. No, it isn't. It's a mechanism for the status quo. Yes. Because you're regulated under the provincial government and the provincial act. Absolutely. We need, if we want to talk about sovereignty and what that word means, if we want to talk about independence, we want to talk about Métis nationalism with any yes. kind of fire and any kind of passion, then we need to first act like we are. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And and there, I, I think it wouldn't take that much work to actually transition to a functioning governance structure. Um, it would take probably a couple of years to maybe really iron out the kinks and get to a, a point where you could do, well, call I think, yourself a I think you could create solid. a government very quickly. Yeah. Working out the kinks would yes. be the problem yep. of those officials. We have Métis communities that are recognized every border of this province. Yep. And you can name half of them off the top of your hand, boom, boom, boom. Yes. You know, how many do we got? Yeah. Right? There's no reason that an elected official from each one of those couldn't form a house right now. Yes. That would give you your house. Each one of those elected individuals would represent a, a real Métis community from who they would be accountable. And then it would be up to them. Mm-hmm. They would have to work to form bylaws, yeah. constitution, yeah, yeah. what it meant to work together as individual communities within the framework of our jurisdictional province. Absolutely. That's very easy to do. We can make that happen right away. True. If there was a will to do it. Absolutely. Well, and, and that's the thing. I mean, you even have some of that sort of in place now. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have regions that have presidents. So just start shuffling that to a real governance structure, mm. like you said, with a house and everybody meets and we talk and we we debate things. And 
Then you go back to your communities and you talk to them and find out if that's where the direction they want to go. And then you go back and you, you vote on that or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but this the way it's run now is it's whoever gets in charge in the provincial presidency, really they have all the power. They rule well, the roost. E- even if you want to be generous, it's a five-board committee. Yeah. It's five. It's a board. Yeah, absolutely. You have a, a head. You can call it whatever you want, the president, the chair. Yeah. You have the vice, the co. Ministers, whatever Whatever chair. Yeah. The treasurer, the secretary. Yeah. Right? It doesn't matter. You can put any label you want yeah. on those five. You can call them anything you want. That's yeah. legal. But in reality, it doesn't matter whether we're talking how it works in the student council yeah. when you were in high school <laughs> or we're talking about the Métis National Council. If you fall under Robert's rules, that is the positions that there are. It's, yeah. it's the board positions. And, hey, you can make as many board positions as you like, and you can call those board positions whatever the hell you want. Yep. But we haven't moved past, basically, high school politics. Absolutely. When we adopt that system. Yeah. I just don't understand how a people who fought the government with blood and bullets and, and sweat and tears went from re- that kind of resistance to such passivity in it adopting the, this kind of suppressive yeah. uh, kind of ruling. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, look at the last 20 years. I mean, it has been ruled like a dictatorship. It has been the power is all at the top. The regions are left to scramble on their own. How is that a government? That is no way, shape, or form a government. You don't You don't leave communities without housing or without a voice, without a power in that within that government structure. You don't just leave them behind. Well, the point is, so, is, is, is Lars, but let's be, let's be honest, in colonial government, that happens all the time. It does. That's, and so that's the sad part about it. What, what's really frustrating is you have communities who are pulling themselves up. Yes. And, like, you know, they're buying their own land. Yeah. And they're working towards their own sovereignty and their own community. The Métis people are supposed to be, by definition, a collective. Mm-hmm. And because of such bad leadership, and because of such oppressive rules that we have communities now who are striking out on their own. Yeah. That should tell us everything we need to know about the Métis people. Yeah, absolutely. It is not a collective. There is no unity. This is no. not a movement of solidarity for independence anymore and self-governance. This is you're on your own. Yeah. And if you and your community ever want to see a future, you better do it yourselves. Yeah. That's absolutely. the message that's really coming out of all this. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think, uh, for me, it's really sad to see them use all these terms and then all this uh, wondrous, amazing government money that's going to flow through, like, rivers through the Métis Nation and, and fix all the problems. Scrooge McDuck um, I, swimming through his vault. Oh, yeah. I can't, I can't count the number of times I heard somebody talking about, oh, once we get all this housing money, oh, this housing money, oh, housing money. Over the last two weeks, I've heard that probably 20 times. In, from different people, and I think, well, yeah, but I mean, we broke this down when the budget came out. It doesn't work out to be a ton of money every year, and you already have them going, well, once we get the money, then we can do consultation to see where we should spend it. Well, what money are they going to use to do the consultations? And so all of this stuff, it's not run like a government, and you can't, you can't sit back and wait for the big influx of cash flow. But this is what they're they're selling people, and they're they're telling people once we get that housing money, or once we get our constitution. If Audrey's had twenty two years to bring a constitution, I don't think four more years are going to do it, because why would she bother? Well, and I don't see it as the mechanism 
that's going to liberate the Métis people no. to some no. new level of prosperity or access to programs and services that were currently being denied, a constitution is not going to do it. No. And even though we've, we've talked about the budgets and we broke this down on numerous occasions, we have to understand that for the majority of the Métis people listening and in, in our province living in poverty, you're not going to see a dime. No, you're not. And that's the real problem is that money is going to be spent, that government is going to be out, a different yep. color government is going to be in, yep. and that money is going to be gone. Absolutely. And most of the people who have their high hopes right now are going to be left sitting exactly where they are right now. Absolutely. And to think anything else is about as good as me having expectations that I'm going to see some kind of tax cut, carbon rebate, bonus tax thing that's going to make my yeah. life better off from the Canadian government. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, if if the M&A is a real form of government, then how can we honestly expect it to be any better at doing stuff than the Canadian government is because their track record isn't any better. Absolutely. And, and that's, you know, that leads into this whole idea of having, oh, when, now we need, we need to have a Senate. We need to have constitution. We need to have this. So really what you want to do is just build this massive bureaucracy modeled on the Canadian government, it sounds like. And then, and then, but not really actually do anything. So that it sounds like a, a, like a real sell, like a con job. Like we're going to, we're going to tell you all these things. Hell, we might even do some of them. But at the end of the day, it really doesn't make a difference because the person sitting in the president's chair has all the power and all the say. Well, and it's, it's the same problem, and this is what where we need to talk about government in and of itself as a structure, is really, if that was the truth, you're right. Because if we created a two-house system, yeah. if we created party system, well, that means you have to have a ruling party that got in. Yeah. You're going to have an opposition party that got in. All those people are going to get paid. Where are they going to live? What are they going to eat? You want to talk about when we broke down the, the transportation budgets, when we talked about housing budgets, when we talked about spending accounts. Yeah. Now multiply that by what? 20 or 30 people per yeah. side. So now you've, you've inflated it from a board of five yeah. to a board of 40. <laughs> Guess you where know? all your housing money's going. Yeah. So <laughs> where, where does all that money come from? Who's yeah. going to fund that business? Absolutely. We, we whine as Alberta citizens and Canadian citizens about government spending. The lack of transparency, yep. government salaries, you know, pension plans, you know, housing oh, yeah. costs. But then we want to, as Métis people, we want to, you know, kind of put that up as a pedestal and say, boy, wouldn't it be nice <laughs> if we had our own government like that? Well, well, and right now the way it's going to be is you're going to have three levels of government that are basically incompetent because you're going to have, you're going to have the Métis, you're going to have the provincial, and then you have the, the federal Oh, yeah. So you, you now you got an extra layer of government bureaucracy. But then even if, if even if the Métis people are independent, we're going to have our own house, yeah. our own Senate, our own judiciary. Yeah. Oh, we'll have our own three levels of government just for Métis people. <laughs> Won't that be grand? Yeah. So then where does the MNC fill in, fit into all this? Where does the other Métis nation provinces fit into all of this? Well, I think that's the whole point is that's what they're, this, this whole thing is I think Métis people by and large have been so colonized that we honestly believe that the MNO is the Métis version of the House of Parliament. Mm -hmm. It is our own federal government. Yeah. You know, Clem is the, the prime minister of Métis people. Yeah. Well, we call him president. He has his yeah, own yeah. seal. Yeah, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. But, but that's the, the whole point is we've we've modeled, Métis people have modeled their organizations yeah. right off of the colonial government, which oppressed them, 
which put them in yes. residential schools, yep. which did all the horrible things that have, you know, colonized us by force. Yep. You know, usurped our lands, taken our rights. And what was the best thing we came up with? Well, damn, let's model our government right after theirs. Yeah. And, you know, let's strive to create the same mismanagement, the same glut, the misspending, <laughs> the, you know, unaccountability, the, the lack of transparency. Let's Absolutely. make sure the money never comes from the top down to the bottom. Yeah, you know, because yeah. we love the system as Canadian citizens so Absolutely. much. We want to yeah. make sure that when the money comes to Métis people, we get traded just as badly. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, but that goes back to where we're saying, like, you need to have a governance structure in place. Well, the MNC is not voted on by the people. Like, I, we vote for a federal party. And so effectively, in, in a roundabout way, we vote for our prime minister. And that kind of filters down to your local level. But you don't vote for the MNC, the, anybody in that whole organization. Mm-hmm. So what, it, like if, and then if the Métis Nation of Alberta has its own constitution, and the Métis Nation of BC and Saskatchewan and Manitoba and Ontario all have their own constitutions. Are they all sovereign nations within one nation? Are they are they going to call themselves provinces within the Métis Nation homeland? Like, but then it only encompasses parts of other provinces. Like, these are kind of the questions that I would like to see somebody answering. Like, where does the MNC come into this? Yeah. So it's like is it like Alberta has a constitution, but there's the MNC constitution which supersedes it. Yeah, like so our you know the Alberta Constitution and the Manitoba Constitution would be equal because both are equally usurped yeah. by the the federal constitution under the MNC. Yeah. But that's what nobody addresses because no. the truth of the matter is is these are independent societies legally formed Within separately the, yeah. in each separate jurisdictional province that they reside. Yes. So then if you end up with you know if there's five provinces, five constitutions, so how do you travel within those then? Do If I'm a member of the Métis Nation of Alberta as a citizen of this nation, we have our own constitution, and I get a job in Ontario, can I move there? And did my, do I, am I immediately a citizen there? Or now do I have, is there no mechanism to become their, a citizen there? Is there, like, like what happens? So it, it's it's very divisive in and of itself to say, the Métis Nation of Alberta is going to create its own constitution. Okay, but then you're saying you're becoming your own nation. So now we're going to have five nations, and what, the MNC is going to be a sixth nation? And none of them can travel within each other? And Because already, right now, the cards aren't compatible with each province. So how the hell does that all work? So are they going to come up with different constitutions? You know, like, these are just questions. Like, these are pretty simple questions. And there's no answers. There's nobody making these comments. There's nobody in leadership, air quote leadership, that's answering these things or even talking about these things. It's great to say the Métis Nation of Alberta is going to come up with a constitution and we're going to change all the way we govern ourselves. But how does that translate then to all the other Métis in all these other provinces? How do they, how do they, get, how do they become part of that? Mm-hmm. And if the MNC is a prime, going to become the prime minister of Métis homeland, who votes for that person? So you're going to have to completely restructure every organization, every position, every you know ministry or whatever, every department in all provinces, in order to make this even seem sort of legitimate. 
you can't just take one province of the imaginary boundaries of Alberta. What what do you do if people live in Lloydminster and they travel from Saskatchewan to Alberta? Do, they, do, or what happens if you actually you moved? Just <laughs> exactly. In a, I mean, I mean, that, and that's a really great example when we talk about what these real these words really mean when you break them down to individual people. Yeah. You know, so if you lived in Lloydminster and you're living under the jurisdictional constitution of the MNA, but you moved across town, and yeah. now you're living in the Saskatchewan side. Yeah. Well, right now, under the current structure, you're absolutely right. That car doesn't transfer. Nope. So did I lose my citizenship because I lost my mobility? Yeah. So the Métis people who are among the most mobile in this country, in its history of formation, now become the most restrictive. Yes. Because I can be a Canadian citizen and I can go work on the boats in Newfoundland tomorrow, but, you know, God help you now if you're Métis and you move to Saskatchewan. Because I'm no longer a part of the group. Absolutely. And which is really hilarious because, you know, so the whole homeland stems from Red River. Mm-hmm. And everybody talks about kin and clan and where they were at the Battle of Atosh, but, you know, don't move exactly. outside of your province. Exactly. Because you'll lose your membership. And now, now you'll lose your citizenship and yeah. further, you'll be outside your constitution. Absolutely. And then what I noticed with the MNO's new uh, proposed bylaws is one of them is to say that you cannot be uh, an elected official in the or hold any office in the MNO governance unless you have ties to one of the seven Ontario communities, mm-hmm. and unless you're, I think they even say if you're born, you have to be born in Ontario as well. So even if I have a tie to that community, but I was born in Alberta because my parents moved here for work, I can't go back to Ontario to my home community that I have those ancestral ties to and then run for office. Mm -hmm. So there again, you're creating division already. So when you talk about these constitutions, are we going to see those divisions go away or are they going to be further entrenched? And I think what really bothers me is if we took this and we, we looked at this and put this on any other group of people. Yes. What would we think of them? Yeah. If we were talking about Palestine, if we were talking about Italy, if we were talking mm-hmm. about any other jurisdiction or any other group, whether were they're a people or religious, and we put these kinds of restrictions on them, and they and we would we would mock them, absolutely. We would tear them apart for that yeah. kind of attitude, absolutely. Of saying, how could you treat people like that? And yeah. yet, Métis people are striving to treat each other that way, absolutely. And we, we see that treatment already. I mean, you look at this East-West division, um, and a lot of these, uh, you know, the Red River nationalists and these um, academics and stuff that are all hating the East Coast Métis, you know, they, they like to claim this, oh, well, you're, you're just claiming as an ethnic group, but you're not really part of the nation. But the nation in and of itself is saying, but we're an ethnic group. And they're, they're acting as an ethnic group. So they're doing all the things that they decry others for, for mm-hmm. doing, and they, they accuse others of doing, but that's what they're doing. Yeah. And uh, like I don't, I don't think this would hold up to any nations. Like I, th- I think you'd get laughed at. I think people would see it as a joke if you brought this anywhere else and said, but, hey, doesn't this look like a good governance system? And that, that's my point is Métis people in them, of themselves are on social media right now criticizing any people that take that kind of stand yeah. about their ethnicity. When they yes. hard wall 
their ethnicity with that same language, we mock them. Yes. We, we decry them. We tear them down for that kind of closed-minded mentality. Absolutely. And yet we allow academics, we allow organizations to say the same things to us, and yeah. then we buy it up. Yeah, we think it's a good thing. Yeah, so we're going to isolate our ethnicity. We're going to hardwall it off. Yep. We're going to de-enroll anybody we can who doesn't meet yep. our ethnic standards mm-hmm. of our inclusivity, and we're going to hardwall ourselves yep. in from any outside influences, any outside claim, any outside immigration to our numbers. So if you're not born Métis, married Métis, living in a Métis community, well, by God, you're out. Yeah. And I'm telling you right now, if we took that standard and applied it to any other ethnic group or country, we would be up in arms of how they treated their people. Well, but we, we, we actually do have some groups in Canada that on a religious basis have segregated themselves away from Canadian society to a certain extent. They marry within, mm-hmm. they live within, they work within, and they're called Hutterites. And they are a laughing joke anywhere in Canada. I mean, I I grew up hearing endless jokes about the Hutterites. Good or bad, I'm not saying Hutterites are bad people, but I'm saying there it is a joke to a lot of Canadians. And that's what Métis people are working towards is mm-hmm. isolating themselves away from Canadian society because you go back to this not having a mechanism to become a citizen. So, you know, and, and the, the best example for me is when I actually went into that office and asked them, um, if if somebody was, so let's pretend I'm just, according to the m and I'm just some white dude. My wife is First Nation. My daughter is mixed blood. She's born in Alberta on the Métis Nation homeland. Never can be Métis. That's absolutely absurd. How can you not have a mechanism in place so that if somebody's born in your homeland, you're going to call it, there's there's nothing that that person can do to ever be part of the Métis culture. Mm-hmm. First Nations have that process. I mean, I could go now and dedicate the last half of my life Hopefully the last half. Hopefully there's not much left. <laughs> but I could dedicate that time to learning the traditions of the Blackfoot people. And I may even get accepted into their into their world. They have that mechanism in place. We seen it in the East Coast uh, like a year ago. Mm-hmm. There was a guy who's Joe White dude who dedicated his time and energy to living and learning the indigenous ways of the people that he was living with. And they accepted him and now he's... He is one of them. But yet his ancestry doesn't come from that. How does that work? And to and that's my one of my biggest issues with all of this nation and stuff is that you have a dying citizenship. Because as people move away or marry out or go and move in the States for jobs or live in the UK or anywhere else, your citizenship depletes. People are having smaller families. People are less and less connected. Because they're marrying out and they don't see the benefits and they don't. Well, to so, play devil's advocate, th- this is where this this really becomes a very funny conversation. Is because most Métis people will stop you there and say, "Well, yes, but Métis people are one of the fastest growing demographics in Alberta." Yes, but the, what they don't acknowledge in that is the reason it's the fastest growing is because of self identification. Yes, 
And that's the one thing they don't want to acknowledge. So the very thing that's making the Métis people one of the fastest growing demographics among Indigenous groups is people coming to grips with their roots and their Mm -hmm. ancestry. It is the one thing that the MNA will not allow. Absolutely. So then it makes your statement absolutely true. By definition, then, the MNA will become an organization of none. Yes. Because it's an ethnic group with no inclusivity. And nationhood, by definition... Yeah. has a naturalization process by which outside people can become citizens. Absolutely. If there was a person who was so in love with our history, our language, yeah. our ways, and our traditions, and they could come from Norway, yeah, and they said, I want to live in your community, I want to yeah. learn your language, I want to learn the traditions, every First Nations community had pre-contact and probably does to this day, a mechanism for mm-hmm. adopting into their community Absolutely. an outside person except for Métis people. Absolutely. The only thing we're concerned about is kicking people out. Exactly. <laughs> Every Métis organization in Alberta, is in Canada, is only concerned with reducing its membership role, not increasing yes. it. We don't want people to be Métis. Well, and, and that harkens back to if you want to be a sovereign nation, start acting like it. So just because these people don't meet the federal government's requirement of paperwork to assert the rights, well, that doesn't mean you necessarily have to kick them out. You know what I mean? Like that. Mm-hmm. So, and and, the, the, and we keep going in circles because you want to call yourself a nation and citizens and constitution, but then you act like a lobby group to the federal government. Well, if the federal government wants you to have certain paperwork and to assert your rights, okay, well, everybody that doesn't have that's out. Well, then you're not a sovereign nation. You're, you, a lo- you're you exactly said. right. You're a lobby group that only represents a certain criteria of people. Yeah. And the MNA has made it very clear here in Alberta, it only represents right bear- rights-bearing Métis people. Yes. That's why its paperwork is ever restrictive. You have to constantly apply. That's yep. why the MNO is kicking people out, is because they have to and only will represent people who are rights-bearing. That's why they are, and people might not know this, I hope they do. We talked about it a lot. They are government-funded representative organizations. Yes. They only represent people who can meet Section 35 rights. Absolutely. If you can't meet the ever-changing scope of what that means, you're out because they're only yeah. paid to represent those people. Absolutely. And, I mean, you look at, uh, you know, people like uh, Colleen Klein. We had Colleen Klein on the show, and uh, she was removed from the MNA. She's because her paperwork wasn't complete. So there again, you're playing willy-nilly with the citizenship. Oh, you're in, you're out. You're in, you're out. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. you have people that are living in Métis communities that can never, that are mixed blood, living there, hunting there, breathing there, building there, working as a community, working with their people. They've been there for 20 years. Never be Métis. Because A, you're not from Red River and you have the wrong type of indigenous blood. Mm-hmm. Like these are these are not the mentalities or the decision making processes of a of a people who want to be a sovereign strong nation. This is the decision making process of a small minded government funded uh, nonprofit society who wants to run their membership like a club, and that's the reality of it. And it's it it hurts people. It's detrimental to your own future, and and but and but we'll dress it up with these big words. And, call and, I, it good. and I think that's what we really have to take stock of. You know, break out a dictionary. What does it mean to be sovereign? Yes. What does it mean to be a nation? What mm-hmm. does it mean to have a nationality? What does it mean yep. to be a citizen of said nation? 
What is then the responsibility of a citizen to its mm-hmm. nation, and what is the responsibility of a nation to its citizen? Absolutely. And on every one of those topics that we've covered tonight, there isn't a Métis organization in existence that meets any of those. No. That can f- fulfill the requirements of the definitions in any dictionary no. of what those things mean. No. And I think so to use those terms in identifying um, itself as a nation is every bit as irresponsible yeah. as someone just willy-nilly standing up and claiming Métis identity. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we're going to leave it off there because we're over an hour now and uh, we've ranted quite nicely. But well, we could keep going and make it a two-parter. Oh, man, we could. I, I know it. <laughs> um, but I think for me, that's I really hope people get to understand this. And I'm, I don't. I don't think, you know, I, I think I can speak for both of us when we say we don't do this to insult the people of the Métis Nation or any Métis people. What we're trying to do is open people's eyes up to the fact that, you know, when, when Audrey or whoever your president is is going around and, and saying things like, oh, we're going to create a constitution, everything's going to be lovely, we got all the government money coming in for housing, it's going to be great. It's a fleece job. And you got to start asking the questions of, okay, well, if you say that, well, how are we going to handle this? How are we going to handle that? And they will not have an answer for you. They'll go, those are good questions. We should have more consultation. And that's what's going to be their answer. And I think there needs to be more meat to this whole process than just saying words. But I think that's what we're trying to do is, if this was a real government, we would be the opposition party. Absolutely. And I think that's what we're really focusing on is, you already are getting the press. You read the M&A's thing. They're going around in your town right now. And they're giving you the government spiel. Yes. Where's where's the counter to that? Yeah. We wouldn't put up with that in the House of Commons if it was just Justin Trudeau and that was it. No. And you just had to believe whatever he told you because there was no other voice out there to turn to. Yes, absolutely. And that's really the way it is in the Métis Nation. Right across yep. this country, there is no voice criticizing or critiquing anything they do. Absolutely. And in fact, the fact that they think that that's a bad idea, that do we do what we do? should betray where they think they are. Oh, for sure. And I think, you know, that, that goes to a, a huge issue, too, of dissenting voices. When when you see how they treat people who disagree with them, it says, I think, all you need to know about how truly a government they are. Because if you're going to wear use all these names, you better put on the big boy pants and step up to the plate and accept the fact that you're going to get criticized. You can't then freak out and isolate people or ignore people or lock people out of offices or ban them from your regional office because they dare to speak out or ask questions or want accountability. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've talked all about that. And and you got to start acting that way. That's right. You, you, if you want to be, I mean, if I want to be a, a world-class hiker, I can't just put it online and say, hey, I'm a world-class hiker. I can call myself whatever I want. I need to act that way. In order to work, be able mm-hmm. to say that, and that's where I think the, you know my point with all of this is, is they need to be acting like a government already. That's right. And real leadership gets up every day. We've seen every color of government just about get up. He, Justin Trudeau gets up every day. He goes into the House of Commons and he asks dissenting questions. He takes the criticism and he stands yeah. there and answers those questions. Yes. And that's his job. That is his job. His job is to be accountable to the opposition point parties. His job is to answer the dissenting questions. Yep. And what we have now is a Métis nation with elected officials getting a buttload of money 
Yes. And a buttload of paychecks. Yep. And salaries and travel expenses. Absolutely. Who absolutely do not want to hear one question. Yes. They don't want to hear a contrary opinion. <laughs> our our we, friend is with us. They got to love the magpies. Absolutely. <laughs> See, the voices are out in the woods. They're <laughs> See, there with us. Yeah, we got agreement. So that's it. Um, I do want to remind everybody, if you are in the Calgary area on August 20th um, and you want to just have a conversation about the uh, TRC calls to action on child welfare, uh, go to cha- Chapters and Chat Indigenous Book Club at the Forest Lawn Public Library at 630. Uh, even if you haven't read the calls to action, you can go and participate um, and learn what the next book is and you can get involved with the book club. And um, one last reminder, if you did like the show, and you did like you do like seeing us get out to uh, you know the AGM and and I actually ended up at Métis Crossing as well. But if if you like seeing us get out and get these these things and and kind of bring these stories and be involved like this, uh, head over to our Patreon page. Uh, the link will be in the description. And for as little as five dollars a month, you can gain access to hopefully down the road some exclusive content that I'm still trying to work on. Um, or at the least, it puts five bucks in the gas tank. That's right. And it really, truly does help us get the, uh, to different places. Um, with the Patreon support, I am sort of trying to plan a trip out to Victoria, so we'll see if that happens. Um, so thank you guys that are, have already pledged. And um, any final thoughts, Jay? No, it was nice to be uh, face-to-face for Absolutely. Once. It's, it's kind of weird here with almost. the birds in the background. Yeah. A little bit hazy, but hey. Yeah, still got the smoke going on, but... All right, guys. Well, I hope everybody enjoyed this episode. I hope we didn't offend people too much. But uh, until hey, next but if it gets you mad, yeah, <laughs> let us know. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, send us an email at metipodcast at gmail There was a few people last week that got all pissed off at me, and they uh, they have left our discussion group. So, oh, well, yeah. I, I, you know what? At this stage of the game, we need to get people either pissed off and fired up. Yep. Or passionately involved. One way or the other. <laughs> exactly. At least we're having a conversation. That's right. That's right. And like, you know, Donald Trump, all press is good press. That's so. right. <laughs> so until next week, guys, have a great week. And until then, the jig is up. You are the spark that's starting a fire that will spread across this land. And it will be a fire that doesn't burn, but a fire that cleanses. A fire that ignites in our hearts and creates light. <laughs>